This is Maggie Jones and Natural Wonders. We will travel again with Aldo Leopold in a Sand County Almanac, this time on a very different scale of size and time. We will follow an atom locked in a rock. Leopold calls the atom X. Leopold was born in 1887 and died fighting a neighbor's brush fire in 1948, only months before this classic book was published in 1949. And to quote from the Wisconsin Conservation Hall of Fame website, Leopold espoused a simple land ethic that each person must be a steward of the land. Humans, he said, need to integrate themselves into the pyramid of life rather than attempt to control it, and personal ethics should extend to the natural world. Please take a look at the archives of my program on WDRT.org to hear more readings from a San County Almanac. This chapter is called Sketches Here and There, Wisconsin. The part is called Odyssey. Let's join Leopold and the Adam called X in a Sand County Almanac. X had marked time in the limestone ledge since the Paleozoic seas covered the land. Time to an atom locked in a rock does not pass. The break came when a bur oak root nosed down a crack and began prying and sucking. In the flash of a century, the rock decayed and X was pulled out and up into the world of living things. He helped build a flower, which became an acorn, which fattened a deer, which fed an Indian, all in a single year. From his birth to the Indian's bones, X joined again in chase and flight, feast and famine, hope and fear. He felt these things as changes in the little chemical pushes and pulls that tugged timelessly at every atom. When the Indian took his leave of the prairie, X moldered briefly underground only to embark on a second trip through the bloodstream of the land. This time, it was a rootlet of bluestem that sucked him up and lodged him in a leaf that rode the green billows of the prairie June, sharing the common task of hoarding sunlight. To this leaf also fell an uncommon task, flicking shadows across a plover's eggs. The ecstatic plover hovering overhead poured praises on something perfect, perhaps the eggs, perhaps the shadows, or perhaps the haze of pink flocks that lay on the prairie. When the departing plovers set wing for the Argentine, all the blue stems waved farewell with tall new tassels. When the first geese came out of the north, and all the blue stems glowed wine red. A four-handed deer mouse cut the leaf in which X lay and buried it in an underground nest as if to hide a bit of Indian summer from the thieving frosts. But a fox detained the mouse, molds and fungi took the nest apart, and X lay in the soil again, footloose and fancy free. Next he entered a tuft of side oats grandma a buffalo, a buffalo chip, and again the soil. Next a spider wart, a rabbit, and an owl. Thence a tuft of sporobolus. 
all routines come to an end. This one ended with a prairie fire, which reduced the prairie plants to smoke, gas, and ashes. Phosphorus and potash atoms stayed in the ash, but the nitrogen atoms were gone with the wind. A spectator might at this point have predicted an early end of the biotic drama. For with fires exhausting the nitrogen, the soil might well have lost its plants and blown away. But the prairie had two strings to its bow. Fires thinned its grasses, but they thickened its stand of leguminous herbs. Prairie clover, bush clover, wild bean, vetch, lead plant, trefoil, and baptisia, each carrying its own bacteria housed in nodules on its rootlets. Each nodule pumped nitrogen out of the air and into the plant, and then ultimately into the soil. And thus the prairie savings bank took in more nitrogen from its legumes than it paid out to its fires. That the prairie is rich is known to the humblest deer mouse. Why the prairie is rich is a question seldom asked in all the still lapses of ages. Between each of his excursions through the biota, X lay in the soil and was carried by the rains inch by inch downhill. Living plants retarded the wash by impounding atoms, dead plants by locking them to their decayed tissues. Animals ate the plants and carried them briefly uphill or downhill, depending on whether they died or defecated higher or lower than they fed. No animal was aware that the altitude of his death was more important than his manner of dying. Thus a fox caught a gopher in a meadow, carrying X uphill to his bed on the brow of a ledge, where an eagle laid him low. The dying fox sensed the end of his chapter in foxdom, but not the new beginning in the odyssey of an atom. An Indian eventually inherited the eagle's plumes and with them propitiated the fates, whom he assumed had a special interest in Indians. It did not occur to him that they might be busy casting dice against gravity, that mice and men, soils and songs, might be merely ways to retard the march of atoms to the sea. One year, while X lay in a cottonwood by the river, he was eaten by a beaver, an animal that always feeds higher than he dies. The beaver starved when his pond dried up during a bitter frost. X rode the carcass down the spring freshet, losing more altitude each hour than heretofore in a century. He ended up in the silt of a backwater bayou where he fed crayfish, a coon, and then an Indian who laid him down to his last sleep in a mound on the river bank. One spring an oxbow caved the bank, and after one short week of freshet, X lay again in his ancient prison, the sea. An atom at large in the biota is too free to know freedom. An atom back in the sea has forgotten it. For every atom lost to the sea, the prairie pulls another out of the decaying rocks. The only certain truth is that its creatures must suck hard, live fast, and die often, lest its losses exceed its gains. It is the nature of roots to nose into cracks. When Y was thus released from the parent ledge, 
a new animal had arrived and begun redding up the prairie to fit his own notions of law and order. An ox team turned the prairie sod, and Y began a succession of dizzy annual trips through a new grass called wheat. The old prairie lived by the diversity of its plants and animals, all of which were useful because the sum total of their cooperations and competitions achieved continuity. But the wheat farmer was a builder of categories. To him only wheat and oxen were useful. He saw the useless pigeons settle in clouds upon his wheat and shortly cleared the skies of them. He saw the cinch bugs take over the stealing job and fumed because here was a useless thing too small to kill. He failed to see the downward wash of overweeded loam laid bare in spring against the pelting rains. When the soil wash and cinch bugs finally put an end to wheat farming, Y and his like had already traveled far down the watershed. When the empire of wheat collapsed, the settler took a leaf from the old prairie book. He impounded his fertility in livestock. He augmented it with nitrogen pumping alfalfa, and he tapped the lower layers of the loam with deep-rooted corn. But he used his alfalfa and every other new weapon against wash, not only to hold his old plowings, but also to exploit new ones, which in turn needed holding. So despite alfalfa, the black loam grew gradually thinner. Erosion engineers built dams and terraces to hold it. Army engineers built levees and wing dams to flush it from the rivers. The rivers would not flush, but raise their beds instead, thus choking navigation. So the engineers built pools like gigantic beaver ponds and why landed in one of these. His trip from rock to river completed in one short century. On first reaching the pool, Y made several trips through water plants, fish, and waterfowl, but engineers built sewers as well as dams, and down them comes the loot of all the far hills and the sea, the atoms that once grew pasque flowers to greet the returning plovers, now lie inert, confused, imprisoned in oily sludge. Roots still nose among the rocks. Rains still pelt the fields. Deer mice still hide their souvenirs of Indian summer. Old men who helped destroy the pigeons still recount the glory of the fluttering hosts. Black and white buffalo pass in and out of red barns, offering free rides to itinerant atoms. And that's the end of our traveling with the atoms with Aldo Leopold. This is Maggie Jones and Natural Wonders. Thank you for listening.